Hey everybody, welcome back to WYN, WYNI, that's what you need when you need it with me, your lovely host, Lydia Champollet. Alright, so this week I have an awesome guest. Her name is N.L. Shampole. She was born in Kenya. She's a multi-platform artist whose written and photographic works have been featured in various print and online publications, including Two Cities Review, Word Dance Publication, Maps for Teeth, Invitation Annual, Kin Folks Quarterly, and The Rising Phoenix Review. She's the author of five poetry collections, including Amazon's bestseller, Lacebone Beast Collection, which is called Lacebone Beast, Poems, and Other Fairy Tales for Wicked Girls. She's dope, y'all, and she's my sister. You can check out her work and buy her books and artwork at kingdomsinthewild.com. She is also currently seeking creative individuals for a new project. You can find more information at that website, kingdomsinthewild.com. Okay, this is going to be a two-part episode, so make sure you tune in also next week for the second half of this great conversation. Okay, let's jump right in. The guy in the Uber when I was driving to the Seattle airport, mm-hmm. he was like, he talked, 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 talk. he told me about all of his kids, and then, um... How his daughter's a dentist, and then he was like, where are you from? And I was like, Kenya. And he's like, why don't you have an accent? And I said, well, I, I have one. It just comes out when I talk to my family. Mm. And he said, no, mine, mine never went away. Because he was 15 when he moved to the U.S. And I was like, dang. I mean, I could say it because mine has stayed... It's much more prominent than yours, and I was only 10 when mm. we moved here, so I could see it. Because sometimes I think that by 10, a lot of who you are is formed. Really? Yeah. Like the, brain-wise or experience? Not experience, because uh, what have you experienced at 10? Like your, but your family? in terms of personality and in terms of knowing yourself, hmm. I think a lot of it has formed by the time you're 10. Because if you think about the things you like to do when you're 10 and the things you disliked when you're 10, a lot of that stuff is the same. If you think about, I mean, minus the whole puberty situation, but... I think I changed a lot during puberty. I started liking peanut butter. For some reason. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird, though? Like, I used to hate it. I couldn't even stand Reese's Pieces peanut, like, the, the, the cups. And then all of a there sudden... Fair, there are very few things I hated at 10 that I could say I like now. I One it. of them being Broccoli. I like broccoli. That's the and only, I hated it then too, yeah. That's the only vegetable I hated and I now like. Yeah. I still hate cabbage. I like cabbage. I'm not a big fan of spinach. Spinach is wonderful, especially with eggs. And I wasn't a fan then. But you drink it in smoothies. Yeah, because I don't have to chew it or taste oh, it. Oh, just because it's not cooked. It's and... the texture. Oh, okay. It's the texture. But I think you're on the spectrum. I'm not on a spectrum. <laughs> I think you might be. Unless it's an artistic spectrum. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you are. Not on a spectrum. No, I just have a problem with certain food textures. Either that or you have OCD. I could probably have OCD. I wouldn't be too shocked if I did. Yeah. But I'm not like crazy or something like that. Not crazy. Just. Spectrumed. Yeah. Just spectrum. The only spectrum I think I'm on is an artistic, as in A-R-T. Okay. Spectrum. Clearly. Now I'm reading about this guy. Okay. Oh, person. What person? Oh, uh, he who cannot be named? <laughs> yes. He Voldemort. who shall not be named. He yeah, Voldemort number named. two. Mm-hmm. Goodness. We just refer to him as that. When you say his name, he pops up in your corner because he is listening, I'm pretty sure. I actually think the more we talk about him, the more it's the, like power. the stronger he gets. Yes. The more prominent. I think gets. so. I think that's what he lives on too. I would not be surprised. Like the energy, the attention. Just so sad, but at the same time, I don't know. Mm. So you write books. <laughs> oh. The minute the attention is actually on me, mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's like my heart stops beating. 
That's actually interesting because that's how I get with um with like meeting people like this conference we went to. Mm-hmm. I literally sat down for lunch. It was like a three-course meal. And they brought out the salad, and I sat down, and then I just started eating. Everybody was talking. I was just sitting there, and then my boss was talking. He would mention my name every once in a while, but I wouldn't. It's like I didn't have anything to say, and usually my mind goes blank when I when I meet new people. Blank. It's like I don't have yeah. Or listening. Blank like. Like empty? No, like I hear the words, mm. but then I don't have anything to say to that. Like I don't have questions to ask you. I don't think of you as a like an actual person. No, that's weird. It's just you're there. You're speaking about something. Speak to the person next to me, but don't really like I have nothing for you at that time. And then I, I usually have to like watch the people for a while and kind of see how they behave, like their expressions and that kind of stuff, and then. I get more comfortable and then I have things to say and questions to ask them. Like I find something interesting about that person to ask them about. That's almost like reading a book or trying to pick a book out of a bookshelf. Yeah. It's just or a weird. bookstore. I just don't have anything. I'm just like, okay, nice hmm. to meet you. That's it. Until I watch you for a little bit, like 20 minutes or something. And then I'll just warm up. Are you not curious? I'm curious, but not initially. It's like I have to see something in you that spikes an interest that says, oh, my God, you should ask them a question about that. Otherwise, it's just, and if I don't see anything, <laughs> no. I walk away. Okay, I guess I know what you're, yeah. in that way, I know what you're saying, because, but we weren't, I don't know, I feel like there's a very thin line between being nosy and being curious about people. A lot of people are nosy. Yeah, a lot of people are nosy, but I also think that's cultural, and that's what I was saying about being 10 by 10. I had lived in a culture where you understood that you don't just ask people personal details. Mm, yeah. So to me, that's not something that's a first. I don't just jump to that and ask some very personal stuff. And a lot of people... And it feels wrong. Yeah. But a lot of people here, it's a way of connecting. So sometimes I just feel like I can't connect on that level because I find it very intrusive. It takes me a really long time to... Of knowing somebody to ask personal details. Like, I can ask you how you're doing. I can ask you what you're working on or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like, what you do. But beyond that, it's there's a line that yeah, and it's very I always feel like that's... If you want to tell me, tell me. That's something different. Because sometimes I feel like, oh, I connect. I could say that. But most of the time, if you push me to ask me that, it's probably something I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. And it's a reflex. It's not even like a conscious decision. Sometimes it's just like, oh, no. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. And then there are certain situations where if I sit down and you you voluntarily just start speaking, I'm not going to stop you. Like, I I enjoy listening. Yeah. And I like talking to people who like talking. Oh, yes. I like Those that. are fun people to mm-hmm. talk to. It's actually, yeah, it's easier for me to talk to people who like talking. I, I hate pulling things out of people. I'm not going to. Yeah. To be honest. It's just a lot of work. And then you feel un, like... It's not that I'm not interested. It's just that I'm not... It just feels... It doesn't feel natural or... Yeah. It feels forced. Especially if I just met you. I wonder if that's because we moved here, though, like just at that time where you're starting to form friendships and like getting out of your parents' house and like, you know? No, I think Um, it's more than that. I think it's very cultural. I think that's very, a very cultural thing. And I don't know about all other places in Africa maybe, but I don't think many African cultures share personal details Mm -hmm. to people they don't know well. Somebody asks you, how are you doing today? I'm good. Good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's hard. And also, I think it's a thing of of almost family. Because I think back home, at least the way we grew up, a lot of our friends are also a lot of your family. So those mm-hmm. people don't need to ask you things. They because they have gone through those things or they're with you or... They know of it, mm. so they don't necessarily have to ask you about it because they were there when it was happening. Yeah. Because when I think about it, most of my friends are my family. 
Yeah, and the ones that are friends now are basically like family. Yeah, because they've been around for so long that that's n- they don't have to ask anything personal because they know when it's happening. Yeah, and when you feel like you need to talk about it, you just let it out, and they're like, oh, okay, shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was going on, but all right, let's deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's I think that's how thing. friendships should be anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Being a creative person, like starting, deciding to write a book. And even doing like the the process where you kind of start designing your own book covers because that's pretty impressive i know people are are out there they're thinking oh it takes so much to do this and that and that and i have to learn it but i think if you, you just have to sit down and decide i want to do it and then you do it i think you, you have to have both hmm. you have to be i think you have to have both you could be interested but you're not inclined to do it mm-hmm. which happens and that happens to me in other areas where I'm interested in something but I'm not that's just not something that I'm naturally or easily pick up mm-hmm. like math math is not easy for me to pick up but you didn't quit though no I don't believe in quitting until even when you suck at it <laughs> Really? For a really long time. No, I don't even believe it. it especially if it's just something of a skill level. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in quitting on that one. Yeah. That's for sure. So, But you also have to be able to... You have to be willing... You can't be the kind of person who thinks you're better than you are. That's, the true, be- that's true because I always because think I'm dumb. Yeah. I think you, I'm dumb about everything. Yeah, you have to be able to recognize your level of talent in comparison to what you are trying to achieve. Hmm. So, if it was with my math classes, I knew I wanted an A or B, but I was not achieving those. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I was either. But I I was willing, I knew going in, this is just not my game, but I want it. I want to know it, so I'm willing to do it to do it more than once to get it right. So that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. In art, with the book covers, you also you have to know that you have to be able to look at a project or look look at something that you admire and say, "Can I do this? Yeah. Try and do that." You will always fall somewhere between exactly or very similar in terms of like skill or yeah. What's the other word? Talent. No? No, that's effort? not Effort? No, it's not effort. You can put a lot of effort and still make something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying but how do you tell? I'm, I'm no, I'm saying because I've done it. But you have to be able to look at something and there's a word for it that's a very important word for it because nobody makes things as good as they used to be anymore. Does that make sense? It's like how people make electronics now versus electronics <laughs> from 50 years ago lasted so much longer. You mean quality-wise? Quality. Okay. That's the word I'm looking oh. for. Okay. So you have to be able to know hmm. your skill, your talent, your quality, mm-hmm. right? And, and you have not. to be able to be in the ballpark. Okay. So sometimes I look at something and I'm like, there's no way I'll be able to do that. Yeah. So I'm not going to try it. Or something I look at and I'm like, if I do this, this, and this, or if I try this different things yeah. in terms of skill, like if I'm using Photoshop or if I'm actually hand drawing or hand painting or things like that, or photographing it, because sometimes I can take my own pictures and I'm pretty decent with that one. Yeah. You have to be able to tell. So if you do something or you, you make something, you can make a cover and you look at it and you're like, so this falls short. Or yeah. you can be like, this looks at the same quality level as this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a match or a copy of what you made, yeah. but it has to be on the level, quality level of what you want. Mm-hmm. So you can want that, or you can be able to do that, and if you can judge that, then I think you're okay because you'll be able to tell if you're in the right direction or the wrong direction. So if you think that you don't have any room for improvement, then you're fucking up, basically. Yeah, that's okay. da- not maybe not fucking up, but you're, that's dangerous. It is dangerous. Yeah, I think that's a dangerous line to be on because there's nothing I've ever done that I think could not use improvement. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't think it's good. Like I my, think it's as good as I can do at the moment. At the moment, yeah. Because yeah. like and my last okay. book or every book I've written, and I just started writing my books in 2013. 
at the time I finished writing that book, I felt like that's the best thing I've worked on or I've done. Right now, when I look at my first book, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you I want. Cringe. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go back and you read get that, that stuff. Oh, you get that little cringe too. Oh. Yeah. So when somebody's like, "Which is the best book you've written?" I'm, like, I'm always partial to say the newest one because I know growth-wise, talent-wise, skill-wise, because it's not just talent. You have to have the skill, and you have to want to. Like, skill is something that's always changing and evolving, you know? Mm-hmm. Something you did, even with language, same language. I speak three languages of different fluencies. Oh, One yeah. changes based on the other. Right now, I could say I'm most fluent in English. I'm pretty good in Swahili. Mm-hmm. I will survive in Maasai. Like, but those change. You know, the more Maasai... Mine, yeah. yeah, but the more Maasai I speak... I feel like my English suffers because everything is backwards or oh, like the structure in terms of, of sentence structures. Yeah. Like sometimes I write a sentence and I'm like, I wrote the words in English, but I used a Maasai sentence structure. Mm-hmm. Which is so yeah. yeah. So all of these things are they vary, and it's not always it's not always increasing or always decreasing. Yeah, it goes up and down based on what you're using most, mm-hmm. what you're capable of. Yeah, practice. Yeah, practice is big. Yeah, yeah, but it's that's at least that's what I can say about book covers and writing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm thinking about that. Um, if I put it in order of least or least fluent to most fluent, it would be the Maasai Swahili and then English. And I know my Swahili, I would barely survive. I could ask for food and water, (laughs) maybe go to the bathroom, maybe. Okay, okay, I can understand a lot of it, but I can't speak it uh, as well. Uh-huh. And then Maasai, I know I'd probably die within three days. Really? Yeah, probably three days. I'm not dying. In the middle of nowhere? In Maasai? Yeah. I'm not dying. I would probably die. I would be that child. They talk about it. Yeah. Anyway. Let's put it this way. I can't write a novel in Kimasai, but mm-hmm. I'm not dying in Kimasai either. I think I would die. I can do all my essentials. I can tell you who I am, where I'm from. I can where do Where I those. want to go. I can... No, I can communicate. I'll butcher the tenses. That's the part I'm worried about. But Not I have, the tenses for me, uh, like the actual words. I think I would butcher the book, them. Oh, and I wouldn't understand when they were saying things uh, that... I understand. Yeah, would, would be dangerous to my health. Mm. But other than that... No, I can understand it. The only thing that actually gets me in that one is my tenses. The vocabulary I have down. But that's fine. If somebody talks to me, I know what you're saying, so that's fine. Because eating and I ate, that's not too bad. Yeah, those are not yeah. bad. I, oh, I get, I get yeah. that. So I just know I'm, I can, I will write you something comprehensive or compre, comprehensible in Swahili. Mm-hmm. I'm writing English. I don't have an issue writing with. Yeah, I don't. I can write you actually something comprehensible in Kimasai. Mm-hmm. But you might have to wonder if it happened or it is going to happen. Um, <laughs> like, it's the then, tense that's that okay, gets me on that one. Then it could just be like that movie that we talked about, Arrival. Arrival. Oh, that yeah, was I'm a good movie. I'm still tripping out on that. I love that movie. So it happened, but it didn't happen. It happened, but it no, was happening. No, she's saying the future because the language that the aliens spoke mm-hmm. rewired oh, Spoiler her. alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, yeah. Yes, <laughs> but you should have watched it by now. Yeah. But no, the language that the aliens spoke mm. rewired or wrote because there's a difference. The, the alien language has, a, has no correlation between spoken word and written word. Is Those, it spoken word and written word or spoken word and, and like time? Is it that way? No. Huh. Spoken word and time correlate in their language. Okay. Written word and time correlate written word and spoken word do not correlate so i could be walking i could write i'm walking but that's not what i would say okay at least from my understanding oh and that's why they had a difficult time with the symbols on the thing yeah okay and that's why they either had to learn the the listening or like the spoken Mm -hmm, the verbal or or the actual written Mm -hmm. with the ideograms yeah I love that movie. That was a really good movie. Yeah, that's I'm actually surprised, and it was slow, but just it wasn't, it wasn't slow boring. No, it wasn't. Boring. And that's a fine line. Like it's very yeah. easy to become slow and boring. 
but it was good. That was good. It's a little bit different though from the actual short story they based it on. I still haven't read it. You should read it. I actually have a copy you can read. Oh, okay. It's good. It's very different. I think in the movie they all they had to they added a little bit more of the military angle. Hmm. Yeah, because I saw that the the like when they um, can't say that the blowing up. If like you haven't the, watched this movie by now, just go watch it. <laughs> like the retaliation and all of that, and I felt that was so wrong, especially since they let them go up there. You know. Well, yeah, but that now that goes into a colonial mindset. That goes into a different kind of politics. I mean, yeah. 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 It was just strange, but... That's almost like a fear politics, though, in my head. That's what's currently going on. Yeah. Fear-mongering. It's wonderful. You guys should check out ProPublica, because that's where you could get accurate news articles. ProPublica? What's Pro that? ProPublica. A... I've been reading everything, huh. but that... I don't think I've seen any ProPublica. ProPublica. But I'm also, I'm not going to name any news sources, yeah. Because, not because I don't want to name them, but because I don't want people to listen to the wrong things and believe them. And then say, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I read both sides of the line. So I read the pro-Voldemort and the anti-Voldemort. Just because I want to know what people are thinking, because I think how we got into... um, where we are now mm. is because we nobody is looking at the other person and oh, trying yeah. to understand them. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to look at both sides and see what both people are thinking, and it's very shocking. It's very shocking stuff. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. That's what the the lady I went to the TED Talks in Seattle, mm. and she was discussing how the best thing you can do at this uh, this was pre election. Was it pre-election? Yeah, mm-hmm. pre-election. She was talking about how the best thing you could do is meet somebody who actually wants to vote or voted for Voldemort. Voldemort. Yeah. And I was like, but you're not supposed to even say Voldemort. <laughs> he who shall not be named. He who anyway, shall not be named. True. So she said, meet with that person, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and talk about why they feel the way that they feel. And don't be defensive, don't call them names, like don't, and do your research. Don't go to Facebook to look at the news articles because they're tailored to you. Facebook has clearly said, mm-hmm. we don't want to post anything on your Facebook feed that would make you have a negative view of Facebook. We want you to come here and enjoy your time on Facebook. So that means they're looking for the things that you're looking for. They're looking for people who share the same beliefs you do. They're looking at people who share the same posts you do and go to the same places you do. So nothing on Facebook that you see is going to be negative towards you unless you seek it out yourself or mm-hmm. one of your friends posted it on their page. But isn't that also some type of hyper-tribalism? It is. That's what, I mean, that's how you sell things and you encourage people to participate in something. They have to feel like they belong. And once I heard that, I was just like, wow. No, that's very terrifying. Yeah. That's very terrifying. There is no but to that one. It's just point blank terrifying. Yeah, and they're doing it on purpose. It's like creating a system of fear and... Just you feel like you need to belong to something, and if you don't belong belong to them, then your life is over. Almost. But if you think about it, though, it's only fear on one aisle of that. No, it's fear on both because the other side thinks that if we don't take control of minorities yeah. and immigrants and all of these people, Ooh. then they're gonna kill us and take over our lives. It's literally pitting two groups of people who don't understand each other against each other. That's it. Oh, this is where Trevor Noah comes in. What about Trevor Noah? <laughs> what did he do? To, I mean, I know he's strong. No, 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 no. He just talks about how the apartheid worked in South Africa, and obviously he's not the only person who talks about it. But is that his stand-up or on his show? He talks about oh. it some in, on his show, hmm. a little bit in his stand-up, but he talks about it a lot in his book, and since his book came out. Yeah. And... It puts a perspective on it because based on what I read and what I understood, the South African apartheid was based on a selection of the best segregation practices or racism practices in all of the world. 
Yeah, so there were people sent out from South Ooh. Africa to different places where racism and segregation were state instituted, mm-hmm. and they studied it. So he talked. To, he talked about some European countries. He talked about obviously the U.S. But he talks about how those research done to create the perfect apartheid or the perfect racism oh, system no. in South Africa. And that's why it went the way it did, and that's why it was as strong as it was and as prevalent yeah. as it was. Mm-hmm. So he talks about that, and that's something I've never heard of before because I think there's a difference with the colonization that a lot of African countries went through mm-hmm. or the attempts of colonization versus the actual occupation of what happened in South Africa. Like, I think there's a huge difference. Like, even from us in Kenya or, like, other countries around that went around similar things, there was there's kind of a different way that things were done and not to the extreme mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand of what happened in South Africa. Yeah. No, I can but see he, that. He talks a lot about how it was very paramount to divide people into smaller and smaller groups that fought against each other mm-hmm. instead of all instead of yeah, yeah and then it was also something i think it, he was talking about how it's a rule of a small group ruling over the majority of the country and yep. how yep. they had to figure out how to make that work i wonder if that has anything to do with our current one percent versus 99 i mean i wonder if that has corporate anything. it could be that that would be a very something very interesting to like explore in terms of like a corporate I mean, okay, it would be interesting, but if you think about it historically, it's not something new. It's not at all. Because you have always, yeah, yeah. Because in certain cultures, I would say in more Western or European cultures, there was a whole serf dorm, mm-hmm. those whole nobility and aristocrats. Mm-hmm. So it is. I wouldn't say it's a new idea. I could say it's playing out in a slightly newer way, mm-hmm. just because I'm pretty sure now. That the populations and the margin between the two are so much bigger. Just in world population by itself. I'm wondering if the internet has anything to do with how strong of an uprising is going on across the world. Like, you know, you remember when the, there was whole the whole revolutions like happening in all of these countries? Mm-hmm. I think the internet had a huge part to play in that. Oh, no, I think that's basic yeah. knowledge or proven. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, I think it does. And I think... <sighs> that's tough. Hmm. I think it could help. I think it could hinder. It could? It could hinder. Because like you were saying, that there are certain places where you tailor the kind of information that you get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you don't personally or make a decision as as a person, if you don't make the decision to look at both sides of the thing, then, you'll then you're in the danger of only hearing what you want to hear of, or only reassuring your own fears or your own, yeah, maybe your own victories as well. Because sometimes oh, if you hear you're winning, like that's a good boost. It's almost <laughs> like a like on a page, <laughs> you know? Like when they said Hillary, <laughs> like everyone was just saying, Hillary's okay, like she's going to do fine. <laughs> we saw what happened. And it was still like a shock. It's, even when it came to be that. Yeah, it's still a shock. It's a shock in very many ways. Yeah. But it's just, it's all interesting stuff. I like how things play out. And then you look at it and you're just, you're shaking your head wondering what happened. And the other thing is, you were saying that we're playing a different game than other other people are playing. And it's like once you start realizing that something else is going on above your day-to-day life, then you kind of start looking for it. And that's, like, yeah, no, yeah. I think that's very true. I do think... I do think those people who voted for Hillary versus the people who voted for Trump are playing two different games. Mm-hmm. And I think the people who are running for offices versus the general population or general civilian people mm. are playing two different games. Oh, yeah. We're worried about our day-to-day lives. Yeah. Are you paying the rent on time, the phone bills, blah, blah, blah. They're worrying about what's going on in, like, different countries. And Yeah. Yeah. What's going to be 10 years from now? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. 
and that's where writing comes in and that's where art comes in and that's where the humanities come in because I think when you're in college nobody ever emphasizes like nobody really talks about how important the humanities is and as a science background person mm-hmm. who grew up in a science it really household, doesn't it doesn't sound like yeah. the human it's I mean it's good to be kind and it's good to be polite and it's good to treat people as they should be treated with respect but mm-hmm. nobody like I think we almost take for granted that you should just treat people a certain way yep and that's it but I think when you see such a divide and such a misunderstanding between two major sectors of people in the same country, mm-hmm. that's where something like the humanities come in. Because when I say we're playing a different game, read fiction or read read a lot of fiction, read a lot of poetry, read a lot of... Like, these are things, read satire or watch mm-hmm. satire, watch movies about... Even if it's a fictional movie, those things come from realities. It's just that in fiction, you heighten it so that you can make a clearer point. Yeah, some people aren't stat- they're sitting there wondering what just happened. Yeah. They get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of the times, it's stuff like that is not coming from nowhere. I think that's huge. And I think sometimes when people write, it's them trying to... F- it's them trying to put a finger on what's going on in the world. Because I know I write a lot like that. Hmm. A lot of the times when I don't understand something or I'm trying to get my mind around something or I'm trying to figure out how to do something differently, I'll write. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, there are people who prefer to talk about what they're going through or talk about what they don't understand. Yeah. There are people who write, there are people who sing, there are people who do sports and exercise. I think everybody has their own way of like trying to figure out what's going on in the world. But for me, particularly, I like to write. So when I look around and I don't understand what's going on or what's happening or how it could have gone that way, mm-hmm. it's easiest for me to figure that out based on putting it down on paper. No, that makes sense because I've seen a couple of, of poems where it actually has to do with the situation that the world is going through in, but it doesn't say it in that way. Well, yeah, because yeah, I don't think writing, writing is very literal or very... Um, I don't think it translates, it's not like, or anybody who speaks two different languages will know that saying a sentence in one language doesn't directly translate into the same mm-hmm. sentence in a different language. Yep. So I think that's how writing is. It's almost, it's a variation or a dialect of a language or of oh, reality, like maybe. Oh, hybrid. It could be a variation oh. or a dialect of what's going on in reality. At least I feel that way sometimes. No, I can see that. Because you don't... I mean, obviously, something happens in real life and then it takes a life of its own. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. truth of that thing is not untrue. You read those Neil Gaiman books, huh? I've read a couple. The ones with the myth and how, like, the myth changes as time... Like, I haven't... Re- no, I know what you're talking about, and oh. I haven't read it. You need to read that I one, know. because... I know what you're talking about. These are the American Gods ones? Yes. It's coming... It's gonna be a show. I'm gonna read it before the show comes out, oh, but yeah. I know what you're talking about, because I yeah. love Neil Gaiman. And we were sitting... I took this mythology class with Yelay mm-hmm. or Nesla. See, that's the other thing I always think about. It's, mm-hmm. um, myth... I, I think of myth and religion and science mm-hmm. as the same thing. Science included in that? Yes. Oh, that's interesting, okay. Why? It's because think about, this is my favorite one that I feel like can make that make sense. Mm-hmm. Is um, like things like people used to think you get sick by bad air. Or cold air, yeah. Yeah. Or cold air, mm-hmm. but necessarily bad air. And that's why there are things named malaria. Mal oh, as in bad. bad. Okay. Right? Yeah. People didn't, a couple of hundred years ago, a couple of thousand years ago, people didn't understand the relationship between, um, let's say, mosquitoes as vectors for disease mm-hmm. or um, airborne illnesses. Like you can cough and you're sp- spewing out a virus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how people explained how something would be contagious spreading hmm. would be bad air. And the way for them to explain bad air would be witchcraft or would be a curse from God, yeah. whoever God you believe in, yeah. or stuff like that, right? Yeah. If you think, if you break it down and you look at it in terms of religion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you say, this happened 
and then a god brought bad air and then mm-hmm. we got sick mm-hmm. right based yes. on probably some behavior or some aspect of what we did mm-hmm. right that's a religious aspect of explaining a scientific thing right mm-hmm. we come along somebody invents a microscope somebody looks into water through a microscope somebody sees some little things squiggling around mm-hmm. we didn't know what those things were yeah but we knew something of that aspect caused disease Mm-hmm. But before you know that, you explain it the best way you can. And that's why I think religion and myth and science have a lot to do with each other. Because they're not wrong. They're bad not air. wrong. It is bad Literally. air. Yeah. If I cough or if I sneeze and I have a cold and mm-hmm. you catch my cold, you didn't see the sneeze particles. You didn't see the virus particles yeah. coming into your Into face. you and no infecting one, you yeah. with a cold and you getting sick and dying, yeah. right? It was bad air. It was, mm-hmm. we would just say it was contaminated by a virus particle. Yeah. But if you don't know, and I had this, I did this in a science class in one of my evolution, evolutionary biology courses. Mm-hmm. We were asked to explain disease and climate change to somebody who has no scientific background. Oh, that's a good point. It yeah. is hard. It is, yeah. If somebody doesn't know what a virus is, if somebody doesn't understand what germs are, mm. if somebody doesn't understand contagion, it is where do you start yeah. hard to explain something like that to them yeah so sometimes i feel like those things there are aspects of the same things yes i believe in a god but i also believe in science i a think scientific those, god yeah no i yeah. not even it doesn't have to be a scientific god but mm-hmm. i have i think those are two sides of the same coin yeah i think if god wants us to know things yeah we'll figure out the language he's using because they wouldn't be there if he didn't want us to know or if she didn't want us to know or whatever yeah, yeah. That's but really, yeah, yeah, I think those are very... And I had a class where we had to sign a form in the beginning of the, of the to course. To talk about religion freely? We had to keep religion out of the class. I had a, a class... Once oh, you get into your higher not, yeah. biology courses, because you deal with evolution a lot, mm-hmm. during syllabus week, you have to sign a form that says, I understand that in this class, the other theories of creation may exist, that we are not talking about biblical yeah or religious creational theories we're only talking about the scientific theory of creation the funny thing is i think at that level of college or like higher education you've gotten to that level because you understand all of those things and like you already have you'd be shocked really you would be shocked seriously but i'm thinking okay so if i got that far I've already taken, like, the regular biology in high school. Yeah. I've taken maybe one other biology class or reproductive rights or all of those kinds of other things. So I have an understanding that there's some science that goes into that, you know? Yeah. So how would I... (laughs) No, you would be shocked because you... Okay, you're thinking in terms of everything you know so far. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But think about it in terms of uh, a new disease. Like, let's talk about Zika virus. Yeah, and how people, yeah. Okay. Do you understand what the Zika virus is or what it does? No, but I also think that's a problem of mass media and, like, misinformation. I think that's... Well, yeah. And they don't know what they're saying, so they're just... But, yeah, so in that, in that aspect, when it's something you don't have a clear word to define, yeah. you, those lines blur a lot. Okay. We can talk about the flu because the flu has been around for so long that, you know... Almost everybody understands how the flu works, yeah. or a very large population of people understand how the and flu works. And you know works. you're not going to die from it, like, immediately or whatever. You could. You but... could. And a lot of people do. Thousands yeah. of people do. But in general, everybody has had a flu At least a once. couple of times. Yeah. Everybody understands the cycle. Yeah. For the most part, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a whatever, but for the most part, people get it, mm-hmm. right? A new disease comes out. Or we could even talk about how Ebola happened and then the outbreak, the biggest outbreak so far, hmm. and a lot of the things that went into how it spread and how it was treated as a disease and how the media played it up, mm-hmm. all those things have to do with what you believe and how you believe it. Yeah. There are people who unknowingly spread Ebola because of like funeral practices, right? Yeah. There are people who spread Ebola because they didn't understand safety. Yeah. So let's say if we talk about funeral, we could talk about it in terms of religion. If you talk about safety, you talk about the terms of science. Yeah. But you're still talking about the same way of Think. spreading the yeah. disease, mm-hmm. right? So it depends on your on how your what your perspective is and what your knowledge is and what you believe personally. 
Wait, did you tie, did you already, you released that one book, the short story? No. No? What short story? The good one, the one about the No! Oh my god, please release that one. That was a good one. I'm actually not gonna release that one. Ever? I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna rewrite that one. Good. I you love that story. You, you can if you want to. Guys, she has the best book out there. Like I'm telling you, it's about um, like how a disease spreads in this girl, and she's black, and I love that. And the uh, like, everyone is in her stories is African or of some minority descent, and it's great. But this is a good book. So if she ever decides to release it, just look for it. It's about diseases, and it's about diseases. Goodness. It's not really about who it's, the people are or their color. Yeah, it's just about the dis- Because of, we've never lived in terms of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, until we came to this country. But at the same time, it's good because you don't get to read a lot of books about people who look like you or behave like you. But who are not talking about what they are. Yes, it's not It's not about like no, the color of their not, skin. It's just about things that people go through as a human being. Yeah. That's it. But it's yeah, fictional. It's, yeah. But I think a lot that has a lot to do with that's only something I've ever thought about in this country, the US. Mm-hmm. And only, and that's what I was telling you about being 10 and moving here and yeah. how you know a lot about yourself. Yeah. Because until I was 10 years old, I've never had to identify myself based on my color. Yep. I did. So that's yeah. never something that has been something. It's yeah. never something that's my first thought. And I've had to learn how to think. Oh, as yeah. a black person yeah. first and I've been in situations where other people have told me that was racist that somebody did to me or said to me yeah. and I didn't understand the connotations because that's not what I grew up with yes you're the you you find a way to it's just that person behaving like a human who doesn't feel a certain way basically that's yeah it. it's not I mean, sometimes oh, you can black. sense the, you can sense maliciousness. Yeah, but I never connected maliciousness to, to color. color. Yes. Okay. I see. Until until more recently, I grew up in this yeah. country, and until things have been happening the way they've been happening. Until you met people who kind of opened your mind. Yeah. Also. Yeah. And that's I why I I firmly believe racism is taught is because it, of that. Yes. I believe you are taught to hate people. And that's the thing too, because all right. So if you're a white woman or man or whatever you identify with in the u.s if you're raised okay let's say 10 20 years ago you're raised seeing only white people in your schools you go to the grocery store that's all you see right Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think anything of it either until you had to deal with a person that's not that doesn't look the same way as you that wasn't raised the same way as you you know Mm -hmm. that's when you would have to form your opinion Mm -hmm. of what you believe you know Mm -hmm. but other than that then you wouldn't yeah. really have to. So no, it's the same on both you, sides. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. And you don't see so many things. Like us, there's so many things that people think is extraordinary or different or mm-hmm. strange about our family. Like, we're six children. Mm-hmm. And then my dad has three PhDs. My mm-hmm. mom owns three businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents work really hard. All yep. of that stuff is like in the health or sciences field. So in us growing up, all those things were not weird to us. Yeah. That's but I've totally talked to people who are like, wait, your dad has what? Three PhDs? And then <laughs> in my head, yeah. I'm like, those are three PhDs that I don't have that I need exactly. to be getting. What are we doing? Yeah. Right? Or those are three businesses that I need to be starting because mm-hmm. my mom is a mother of six children and she, she is running three businesses. Yeah. Right? But other people, when they see that, it seems extraordinary or it seems outside the norm, but it's not. Yeah. If you go to Kenya or a lot of other African countries or a lot of other countries outside the United States... Mm-hmm. People who look like us, people with melanin, mm-hmm. do all sorts of things. Exactly. Yes, there's people who do nothing, and there's people who are bums, but there's also people who are at the top who are doing their education, who are doing the business, who are corporate yeah. managers, who are all those things. So it's not astronauts, because I always wanted to be an astronaut, <laughs> but it's always it's, it's not weird yeah. anywhere but here. That's true. And I think it's just the funneling of information because if you live here for such a long time or you live anywhere really and people just show you one thing and they tell you one thing about the person that, like the stereotype about the people that you are, then Mm -hmm. you start to believe it. 
You, yeah, and you can. It. And you don't even notice it. You can, yeah. yeah. It's subconscious. I think that's very true. I think that's also why you should watch what you put in your head. Exactly. Yeah. If you're watching TV, make sure you're watching things that yes. reflect or things that are good for you. Mm-hmm. Don't watch things that are about people like you who look like you or talk like you that are negative mm-hmm. because it's very subconscious. And that goes, it, it doesn't have to be color, it doesn't have to be gender, but that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Advertising and gender, that's yep. very huge. Yeah. But it could be everything, it could be you as a scientist. There's a lot of whatever, there's a lot of stereotypes about scientists. I have a degree in science. I don't feel like I fit a lot of those. I might fit a couple of those. But I don't feel like I fit all the stereotypes of what a scientist is. Should look like or speak like or anything. Speak like, look like. <laughs> do yeah, intra- behave, anything, or yeah. interests mm-hmm. I like science I like art so it's it's Actually, a lot yeah. of things I can do science I can do art that's a weird um but people always say oh you're a scientist or or you're in stem mm-hmm. you shouldn't like you should not be interested in art or maybe you shouldn't be as good of an artist yeah. or whatever it is or a good writer or only people who do science can't do writing I've had a lot of that I tend to do better in my writing classes than in my whatever in my calculations classes. If you tell me write a paper or take a multiple choice test, I'll write your paper. Mm-hmm. Even if you want me to write your paper That's about math, yeah, I will <laughs> write your paper about mathematics. History, I'd much rather everything. do that than do the multiple choice, right? Yeah. So it's not. There's a lot of stereotypes that about whatever group you fall into that I think can be detrimental damaging. to you, yeah. damaging. That Which you should so you should be aware of, and I wasn't aware of it until I stopped watching television, and then I started noticing when I went back. Yeah, that oh, that's yeah. what that looks like, mm-hmm. or that's what that sounds like. So that's that's a huge thing, but and that's a really weird place to be too, as just like a scientist and an art person. Like it's a weird those Venn diagrams. That's what they're called, right? The little circles. Those little circles. They shouldn't. Like, it's oh weird, right? Oh my gosh. Have those you seen two... those circles? Somebody should do, and I think maybe I have seen a diagram of woman, scientist, and person of color. Hmm. And a, it's a small... It's a very... Tiny, yeah. It's a very small... Yeah. But that has nothing to do with ability. Yeah. It has a lot to do with what you see. And your determination. What you believe. Mm-hmm. And what you're exposed to. Yeah. Because if I'm sure if I was brought up in a household that had no scientist, I wouldn't want to be a scientist. But that's, I think that would be because of what I was around. Yeah. We all learned how to read by, before we went to preschool, all of our children, all the children in our house, six yep. of us. But that's because my mom said all my children will learn how to read a book before they went to school. Exactly. And it made it a lot easier too. It made a huge difference yeah. because when we oh we used to get extra credit in like middle school for, for reading. reading. <laughs> I could fail a test and make it up the points in reading yeah. because my mom made sure I read. Yeah. And, and not only that you enjoyed it though. I enjoyed reading. We always had books in the house. Mm-hmm. So that was never a big deal for me, mm-hmm. but that's only because somebody made it an effort. Yeah. And I you you know people who reading was not huge or reading became I, a chore yes a lot or a of punishment people. yeah and so many things matter don't make reading a punishment yeah don't tell your kids okay now you're grounded for a week all you can do is read books because that's a negative yeah it seems like it's not an adventure and, and don't yeah don't correlate reading with intelligence level yes those oh. are very two different yeah. things yeah don't you do know. That, yeah. And yeah, and don't correlate tests with intelligence level. Yeah, that too. Def- and I think I learned that the most during college. Yeah, because <laughs> I just did Ooh. horrible on everything. Like I would get a nine. I got a nineteen on an exam. Girl, I got a nineteen on an exam. Yeah. I'll never forget that exam. Nineteen. There was somebody who got a nine though. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I it hurt. did. But it's just it makes you feel like you're just. Yes. You don't know anything, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, that's not... But no, and, and that's why I'm saying don't correlate your exam scores with um, your intelligence, because yeah. I had a tutor. That tutor, this is this is very specifically in chemistry, because chemistry, well, let's just say I'm not talented in chemistry, <laughs> but I had a tutor, this is organic chemistry, I had a tutor who was a chemistry major, so he... Loved chemistry, understood chemistry. I was paying yeah. this tutor $20 an hour. 
I went to this tutor every day for at least an hour for <laughs> organic chemistry. When we worked and he would quiz me on the work that we're doing, mm -hmm. if it was the chemical structures, if it was how electrons are moving, mm -hmm. if he verbally questioned me on these things, I could explain what was happening. Mm -hmm. I could explain my reasoning behind it. Yep. I went to sit down on a chemistry test and I could not, for the life of me, complete that test. Yeah. And I had to take that class twice. But if you, and I had to actually have, I had to, I needed my, to sign a paper for my advisor mm -hmm. that I was taking the steps and my, I had to show proof that I went to the tutor. Mm -hmm. I had to show proof of the work I was doing with the tutor. Mm -hmm. And I had to show proof of progression between my advisor, my tutor and myself to prove that I was actually trying to do well in Better, this class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And according to my tutor and according to my advisor, I was putting in the work. It didn't seem like somebody who would go fail a, a test. Yep. But something happened between me revising this stuff and me going to my tests. But I don't think I was stupid. Yeah, and I'm just, not going to ever call myself stupid. You... But there's some things that it's the format or it's the mode of testing. learning and yeah. the mode of testing and the mode of comprehension that matter. That you you really I mean, have to care, or you have to want to care, but then they shove us in boxes. in all of college. Yeah. They just shove you through, and they want you to either make it or don't make it. So you have to know who you are. I was advised to quit my major. <laughs> I did not quit my major. I took my class again. Yeah, repeatedly. I think oh, I failed a lot. But chemistry, you know I took that repeatedly. Yeah, you just keep doing it until you do better. That's it. No, you do better because you might waste or you might feel like you're wasting six or three months of a semester, whatever it is. But do you want it? But in the long run, let's say you graduate a year early, mm -hmm. but that's the rest of your life in something that you probably didn't mm -hmm. want. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's, so yeah. would you rather waste your year now or waste your year at the end of that cycle? I'd much rather waste my year here at the beginning. Versus I, 40 years of your life. Uh, but Versus 40 years of my life trying to be like, yes. I wish I got that biology degree. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. I'd much rather take that extra year. And Whatever you're doing, just take that extra time. That's the thing that I'm worried about graduate school and like progressing higher education is because everything is changing on such a daily basis that you almost need to do self-education, if that makes any sense, like your own research and all of that. If you're not doing self-education, yeah, you need to think about what you're doing with your time. Exactly. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing or I'm not saying that to put people down, but for every... And this is something they do in college. They're, they tell you, like, for every credit you have, you need to spend two or three hours of study time. Mm -hmm. But it, don't put that only to your classes. Yeah. Put that to everything you're interested in. Yeah. I like science. I will read maybe Weird 10, things. 20 hours a week yeah. of things that are science-related, just mm -hmm. based on interest. If all you're doing is Googling like what your love and hip hop <laughs> no i wasn't gonna say love and hip hop okay. i don't watch love and hip hop because i don't think um love and hip hop <laughs> i just don't think they do anything that i need i'm doing with my life or i'm trying to do with my life so and i don't uh, watch yeah. it mm -hmm. but i'm saying like sometimes like you could because this is a weird thought i had the other day where i was like i wonder what your foot size or your foot shape has to do with your walking stride oh that's interesting if you have that have that yeah. thought Google it. Google it. Yeah. Read an article about it. I guarantee yeah. you, you're going to learn something you didn't know, right? Yeah. Now, let's say you do that two times a day, every day for a week. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much you've learned just out of yeah. pure curiosity? No, and, and it's a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole, yeah. but you might discover things that you find very interesting. Yeah. You might discover things that are like, eh, whatever. But think about it in terms of people who existed mm -hmm. before the internet happened and how much knowledge they had. Or how hard they and had they to work for that knowledge. It. Oh my goodness. They'd have to meet people and talk to people. Yeah. To learn new things. So when were you ever going to meet a podiatrist or whoever it is who studies your foot gait or your walk gait? It could yeah, be an anthropologist. Yeah. It could be a podiatrist. It could be 
an artist, Maybe a or a dance instructor, a choreographer, mm-hmm. a doctor. That's Those it. are all spectrums that could have studied that situation. And if you were a person working on a day-to-day basis, you would yeah. never have the time to but do But those are all people, if you didn't care or if yeah. you didn't try to do before internet, you would never know. Oh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about the um, the Datura that you told me about today, the poison. Yeah. The flower. The the. Yeah. Angel's trumpet or yeah, it's either angel's, the devil's trumpet. It's either angel's trumpet or devil's trumpet. It's the devil one. The plant. Yes. The the name of the flower. Yes. That. Yes. One. The wait no 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 no. There's the angel's two trumpet kinds. is the one that hangs down. Then that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, but the devil's trumpet is the one that stands up. It looks like the angel's trumpet, but, but it it faces up poisonous. Yeah, poisonous yeah. one. But I was thinking about that, and then remember back in the day when I asked, oh, you maybe like. Four months ago, when I asked you about the honey that was, yeah, there's a, a Himalayan psycho- honey yeah, that is or something could be psychedelic or poisonous. Yeah, based on what the bee. I'm wondering if there's a correlation um, between the two. Yeah, there is a correlation. Yeah. It's also like the M M&M and M bees. Have you read about that? I have seen that too. Yeah, like the red and the green honey yeah. and all of that, based oh. on what they're eating. Yeah, and it's by the plants, mm-hmm. the Mars whatever. Yeah. And if a bee is taking its nectar from a poisonous plant, Mm -hmm. that nectar or that honey that they form from that has the potential to be poisonous to you as a human being. It might not be poisonous as an animal. Like other animals may be able to eat that because they have different metabolism, all that stuff. But that's something you don't learn unless you look something up. Exactly. And And I wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have. Yeah. But how I found out is I saw this plant. And I thought it was an interesting-looking plant, so I googled what the name of that plant yeah. was. And when I was looking at that, it brought up all these things, what people confuse this plant as, mm-hmm. how it was poisonous, some are poisonous, some are not poisonous, based yeah. on what, whatever genus you're talking about, and all this stuff. But that's just based on interest, and that's just based on self-amusement. Yeah. But I don't know. I just find it very interesting. I think you need to... You have to educate yourself. You have to do stuff... Whatever it is, I can't say anything about music. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about music. Yeah. I'm a passable singer at best, <laughs> but <laughs> no, she's I not actually passable. I'm passable. <laughs> okay. Hey, I took choir all through college level. Continue, continue. I took choir in college. FYI, we had to sing to get into the choir. I remember. Forget oh you. God. Anyway, I mean, I'm not Mariah Carey or anything like that, but um. Or I guess people care about Beyonce these days. What? Beyonce is a very... Everybody cares about Beyonce. I even saw the Grey's Anatomy's uh, I mean, cast I, caring about... Like, I like reenacting her. Yeah, no, I like anything. Beyonce, but... Maybe that's a genre thing, or... I like Beyonce for certain things. There's yeah. certain things. I'm not looking for Beyonce to sing me, like, some... No, I like her sappy stuff. That's what I like. Uh, yeah. That's not what I like about not Beyonce. Like one plus one. That one. Too. That's like that a good though. song. That's a good song. You're right. Just, yeah. And love on top. That was but no! This is the thing I like about music. It's a storytelling. It is. But it's changing the, now. No. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's a different story. <laughs> okay. It's erotic storytelling. Yes. On Explosive. some genres. Yeah. But if you think about it, and I, I do find that fascinating about music, it mm. is a story. Yep. And I didn't know that, and I'm not, I don't know if I could ever write songs, because you have to use that, you have to be able to translate something, a story into something lyrical or something melodic. Mm -hmm. That's very hard. And I hear music is actually one of the hardest um, majors to major in, because it's very mathematical, it's very complex. Oh my it is, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know anything about music except what I like and what I don't like. But if you like music, go read about music. Yes. You know, there's no limit on what you need to focus your time on. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you're focusing your time on something. Yeah. You know, it could be um, collage. Some people might think that's just pasting two pictures together, cutting up and cut and paste and like arts and crafts. That's what I think. But, apparently but there are some things. amazing collages out there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. All you have to do is go look. I am not a collagist. I don't make yeah. good collage. But it's very interesting. If you look at other people, and people tell stories with collage. Hmm. People, yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's just based on what you think is interesting to you. Nothing is better or worse than anything else. Mm-hmm. But it's just what you think.
All right, that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is going to be a two-part episode, so make sure you rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes, and then tune in next Friday for the second half of this conversation. Like I said in the beginning, you can follow her at kingdomsinthewild.com. You can also check her out on Instagram at nlshompole, as well as on art and fiction. And she just released her her newest book, Lacebone Beasts. So check that out on Amazon or kingdomsinthewild.com. You can also check out my website where you can email me, get in contact with me, send me your questions, and I will cover them on the next episode. Um, Also, make sure you go follow me on Instagram and Twitter as L. Champole. All right. Have a good one and see you next week.